my dudes and dudettes hilo here with my boy pavel again this week after that one week hiatus he is back and we are ready to bring you the betting extremes podcast i'll bring him right in pavel what's going on my dude hey hey hopefully you didn't miss me too much i tuned in on the pod you did a great job (laughs) thanks brother There was a there was a lot of extremes last week. Dude. Yeah, I know. I kind of really wish I didn't miss out because that one was a really fun one. This week actually was pretty tough to find. Yeah, yeah, no joke. There's, uh, I mean, obviously with last week we had like six games that were forty nine or over game total, so there was a lot going on. And then I didn't even want to talk about the the low game total games last week with the <laughs> amount of high scoring games we had. But yeah, that was interesting, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh... Excited for this week. I love London games. I can't. There's something about waking up at the same time I wake up for work, but just to watch football, it just feels different. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a a boost, <laughs> a boost to the East Coast crowd. Oh yeah, it's it's tougher for the Westies. Yeah, but you got a good every week, so give us one week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have the two a year. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I That's couldn't fair. imagine trying to do NBA lineups though on the West Coast because. I work a nine to five, right? And yeah, so locks at seven. So that means it's at four in California. Like there's no way I can like consume content and make decisions and work at the same. Yeah. Good thing about Arizona is at least the, the rest of the country goes on daylight savings time and we stay. So like by the time, NBA, really? Yeah. By the time we're on mountain, our own freaking time zone thing. Um, it's like mountain standard. I, I forget what it's called, but Arizona does not, uh, abide by daylight savings. Um, one, there's not a lot of farming here and that's the whole reason for like daylight savings yeah. is, is for the farmers. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We, so by the time NBA starts, we should only be two hours from the East coast, which helps. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Fun fact yeah. of the day. Yeah. There you go. Always learning, dude. Always learning. All right, man. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. I will turn it over. The floor is yours. What are you seeing for your extreme? Shoot me the first one. Speaking of excitement, uh, Jets and Falcons have a whopping, uh, I think it's 46 over under. We're going to go with the under there. Um, if you look back at some of the older London games, these games typically ended up being shit shows. Either it's a blowout, low scoring game. Recently, yeah. there was one big one, but I mean, if it's Jameis Winston when it was on the Bucks, you know it's going to be a high-scoring game. So I could see this game playing out a couple ways. Most likely, either the Falcons stomp the Jets or the Jets stomp the Falcons. Both teams have pretty big deficiencies, and you know could go either way, or it could just be one of those sloppy, low-scoring games where both teams can't do anything, uh, especially with like the lag, you know, the time lag. What's the word? I'm thinking of uh, jet lag jet, from jet you know, lag. traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From traveling from the U.S. to London. It affects these games. It's hard to like get there Monday and then be ready to play by the end of the week. It's it's something you know, that has... And I've read articles about how players have felt affected by it too. So I'm thinking hit the under hard here. Dude, so this is super interesting and I'm glad you brought this game up because I actually wrote the this game 
uh, up in the early line inefficiencies and I wrote the over up, but the over, the over on Sunday night when I wrote this game up was 43 and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's moved a full three points, um, which is fairly large. Um, but I'm going to nerd out a little bit right here with the, uh, obviously being a, a former aviator, I, I know what jet lag is, why it is and how, how it happens. It's basically when you travel multiple time zones and when you're jumping time zones, your body, um, is affected by the amount of light during the day. And that affects your circadian rhythm, which is basically when your body thinks it should be resting or sleeping and when your body thinks it should be awake. And that typically takes, uh, anywhere from seven to 10 days to actually get into a new rhythm. And when you're talking about traveling, what, 13 time zones for like both of these teams are on the East coast. So I, I guess it's a, a nine time zones. Um, when you're talking about jumping that many time zones, like that affects your body heavily. And it takes, um, we used to do is we would stay up. We would force our bodies to stay up a full 24 hours or 36 hours, depending on what it was. Um, and then that allows you to pass the F out when it is finally night again. But like, when you think about these teams having to travel, adjust their circadian rhythm and then go play an NFL game, like it's clear, like why these games are typically more sloppy. Um, also like they're, they're playing on like, legit like best in the world grass and and these players are used to playing on primarily turf hard ground and over there in england it is like soft cushiony grass where you're like it's better suited for actual metal studs in cleats and these the players are not used to that man they're used to playing on fast fields uh so that that affects it as well but yeah interesting that you brought that up um, cause I wrote up the under, but it was, it's, it's come up a full three points since I wrote that. So, um, 43, I might like the over there to be honest. Yeah, dude. So that, I, that was one of the ones where I was like, Holy shit. Like, um, that's really low for an NFL game, especially of two shitty teams. Cause shitty teams usually play pretty good. Um, fun fact also to like leave off on this one is eight out of the last 10 would go under 46. So, and yeah. like I said, that, that one game was a bucks game, which, if we if that was today with Jameis Winston there, we probably would have said the over regardless because that's just how those games go. And then I think the other one was uh, uh, I think it was the Vikings, Vikings and I think Bengals or Browns, one of the two teams. And they were it was like a 33-16 game. So none of these games are really competitive. So if you want to take a couple shots at you know the Jets or the Falcons, if you have conviction, that could be a pretty good play. Yeah, I so I, I was actually chuckling too when I wrote this game up for the over because I called Cordero Patterson the skeleton key that unlocked Atlanta's offense, and like <laughs> I was just chuckling to myself. I was like, "Okay, guys, that was that was like a joke, but um, but no, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah, show me the next time a dude is gonna turn like a thirty percent snap rate into three touchdowns and like break the slate." It sucks because anyway. last year I had so much Porterell in best ball. And this year I'm like, all right, I'm off of this train finally. And this yeah. is the year he hits. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it'll be interesting to see how his efficiency carries forward. But anyway, yeah. So that is definitely a, uh, I do, I do think I like the under at 40. What is it? 46, 46. or 46. Yeah, yeah. I think I do like the under at 46. I wrote the over at 43 and a half just because it was a, an EV play. And 
when I'm writing those early week, uh, I'm just searching for line inefficiencies. And I mean, that it clearly showed that I was hit the nail on the head there because the game total came up a full two and a half points within 48 hours. But yeah, I like, I think I like the under as well there. Um, primarily because it is the games being played uh, across the pond. Yeah, it's pretty much the biggest factor. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, for sure. Who do you got All next right. for me? Or your first one? Yeah, so um, I'm actually going to go with... This is supposed to be a, a betting extremes, right? So I'm going to go to one of the other side of the extremes and it's going to be a game spread or a, a, yeah, a game spread. And I like the, the Rams here this week. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. So hear me out here. This Rams game opened with the Rams as one point favorites. Um, now I'm trying to find the damn line. Okay. So it's already been two and a half. Yeah. It's already been bet up to two and a half. And this is another one that I wrote up in the early line inefficiencies. And I was hammering on the Rams minus one. And again, it has proven to be a plus EV scenario, but my initial read on this game is it's likely the line is likely heavily influenced by recency bias. And Seattle is coming off of um, a win, which there was all kinds of hubbub about Russell Wilson has never lost three in a row. He avoided it that again uh, with the win last week, the Rams are coming off of an absolute stomping uh, at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals. And now we have two teams who are battling in a divisional game to keep pace uh, with the Cardinals up top at 4-0. This game total was set at 54 and a half. So absolutely massive. You have a Rams team who are basically, you can say that they're underperforming on defense with the amount of talent that they have back there. And now you look at how Seattle has been trying to win games. And they, like I highlighted in the edge right up last week, they started the year out with pace they were trying to, you know, quote unquote, let Russ cook. And that's not with respect to their, you know, situation neutral run pass rates. That's more in respect to they're giving him like the keys to run an up-tempo offense. Well, now you look at over the last three weeks, they've dropped back down. Their pace of play is dropping. They are, you know, big um rushers on first and second down and that's the big glaring thing to me is this team is still trying to run the football heavily on second down and i think they had up to like a 62 percent situation neutral rush rate on second down which that is really for my eyes in the new age nfl that is where teams are really separating themselves on offense it's okay and it's good to have a balanced attack on first down um, primarily rushing and teams should be looking to be aggressive through the air on first downs because typically how opposing defenses are set up, they're typically in heavier zone formations and early downs, which allows those gaps uh, over the middle and seams of the field, which typically leads to those chunk gain opportunities. So um, when you look at the Seahawks, though, they still have elevated rush rates on second down and with the Rams coming into town, they're absolutely just going to dominate that situation. Uh, in my eyes, be able to, you know, play to 
a very predictable offense. Um, and the Rams have shown, obviously, with the shift to Matt Stafford, that they are fully capable of opening up their offense. And I just think that the Rams are a better team. So when this when this game was like a, basically a pick 'em early in the week, I was hammering the Rams. Now that it's up to two and a half, I still like the Rams minus two and a half before they enter uh, that three to three and a half range. Yeah, I'm with you. Seahawks defense is absolutely trash. It is yeah, so bad. And to make it even worse, Carlos Dumplap has turf toes, so he's out this week, and he's like one of their only competent defenders. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm all over it. The Rams' deep offense is going to be it's, – it's such a good offense. McVay has a quarterback that's competent. It looks so fun to watch. It's Yeah, I'm actually – the Rams was going to be one of mine, so he stole it from under me. So uh, nice, really? nice call. Nice, yeah, nice call. dude. Yeah, yeah, sick, sick. Because you told me yours before we started, so I didn't even register that. <laughs> that's funny. Cool, cool, cool. All right, hit me your next one. Yeah. Uh, for my next one, let's see. I think we're going to go uh, first game of the day, actually, on Sunday. We're going to go Packers-Bengals. They have an over under a 50. I think we're going to hit the over on this one. Uh, okay. And uh, the reason I really like it is Mixon's most likely going to be out. They're going to have a plotter back there. I think Chris Evans will play a lot more, and he looks pretty good out there when he's catching passes. Yeah. Um, Tiggins is going to be back. So they're gonna have all three wide receivers out. It, I mean, do we? If you watch the game on Thursday, Burrow looked really good throwing the ball. He's starting to like get his feet back under him. Um, Packers, obviously, not really much you got to say there. They're starting to look good again. They're buzzing. I, you know, they're just gonna be scoring all over this game, and I, I, I think this is gonna be one of the best games of the day. Yeah, dude, as you're saying that, I am uh, looking up Jair Alexander's status because I know he got hurt uh, last game trying to find it. Because uh, obviously if Jair is out, that obviously is a big boost to the Bengals' pass game as well. Like the worst case scenario, like Kevin King comes back and Jair Alexander is out. <laughs> that, like- exactly. That's the biggest <laughs> thing. Yeah, I was going to say, but I didn't. I wasn't sure about the injury, so that's why I didn't mention it, Jair. Yeah. Um, last update I see is head coach Matt LaFleur was not able to rule out a possible long-term injury. So yeah, it doesn't sound good. Stokes is a beast. So like that kid is so good. He should have been playing from the jump, but yeah, but they dude, I know. And they, they do, they were given Joe Schmo's, uh, snaps over Stokes on the, on the, on the edge on the outside while they were playing Kevin King in the slot. And I was like, well, what are we doing, dude? <sighs> Kevin King is trash and he's never played the slot in his life. And they're trying to put an oversized, <laughs> oversized. Slot yeah. Board in the slot. <laughs> what do you come think's going to happen? Yeah. Come on, man. So Imagine yeah, that happens this week. Tyler Boyd is your boy this week then. So keep an eye out on the corners for the Packers this week. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I like the, so the big thing with the Packers and the Bengals at first glance, you know, top level stuff is they're, they're both slower paced offenses and the Bengals have been, you know, having extremely high situational rush rates. Like they're in the top three for rush rates this year um, with mixing out. And now we're talking about a, you know, a rookie and Samaje Pirine, um, who are expected to be in the backfield there. Like you have to think that they're likely going to attack things a little differently. And then you add in the Jair Alexander injury and 
possible potential of Kevin King returning. And yeah, I, I like this game to, you know, have more offensive plays run from scrimmage than we would initially think from the top level stats. So I like that call a good bit. I'll be on the over as well. 50.5. I'll trail. Yeah. Uh, and like it, you can't, it sucks because like you can't ex- like assume rational coaching. Like that's the weirdest thing. Like logic defies coaching for some reason. But if you watch Thursday's game, you logically can see how good the offense looked when he's throwing the ball. So you got you got to start going with what's working. You know, Mixon get hurt in that game, dude. It was uh, it was like third, third fourth third quarter. quarter. Yes. Yeah, I'd be interested to see the run pass rates after he got injured. And I know it, it's probably highly dependent on game flow, but um, I'm going to take a look at that. Cause I'm writing that game up here shortly. Yeah. I yeah like that, that is a good thing to look at. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But yeah. Who's your uh, second choice of the day? All right, man, we are going to go over to the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. We're currently looking at a game total of 39 and a half. That is going to be one of the lower ones you'll see all season. That is. And, <laughs> yeah. In today's NFL, that is like a full touchdown lower than standard. Like that's like over a standard deviation <laughs> away from what a, a normal, yeah. a no, normal over under. I be. can't believe I missed that. I must have like just glossed over that. Yeah, so you look at how this game is likeliest to play out, and the Patriots are likely going to continue a slow pace of play. They're likely going to continue to run the football as much as possible. Um, And obviously, with James White being out on the Patriots, that alters their likeliest game plan as well, because behind them, it's J.J. Taylor, who lost a fumble last game, and Brandon Bolden, who are obviously not as technical and skilled as James White is through the air. So you look at the composition of their offense and it's basically like a Damian Harris week and Jacoby Myers, you know, one of the shallowest ADOTs in the league who is their primary pass catcher. And there's really not much else outside of the tight ends. And both of the tight ends have low ADOTs as well this year. So the Patriots are going to likely control this game with their defense and they're likely going to march the football down the field on offense. So that eats up clock that obviously um, limits the amount, the time or the clock it stops. So I like the under at a very modest game total of 39 and a half here. Question for you, non betting related, but can Ramondre be that third down back or is he too big? I don't really know much about him. Dude, he is like the opposite of a third down back. <laughs> so, he's like, so like the LeGarrette Blunt comparison is a good one. It's it's a pretty accurate one, except okay. Ramondre is, I think he's like six foot or 5'11", like 250, something like that. I'm going to look it up now. Um, so he's never going to play because he's just got the Harris role. So once Harris has you know, been used then he'll move into that role. Cause like I'm yeah. trying to figure out this Patriots backfield and it's just, Holy crap. So Ramondre is six foot two twenty seven. Yeah. It's not a third down back. <laughs> yeah. A, it's almost a linebacker. <laughs> he, so, yeah. The, the only issue with, or one of the biggest issues with best ball season, people drafting Damian Harris was that 
they thought that Ramondre would step in as the goal line back. And that's what he's best suited for a short down. Um, he has plus vision. So finding the, the first read hole, but his burst on the second level is obviously lacking and he's not like adept uh, enough in the past game uh, to be used like that. So we've seen him be inactive. We've seen all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, it's weird. But I think it's just like the normal Patriots way you rookie running back sits the whole year and then towards the end of the year, if they're losing or next year, he'll be the guy. Yeah, the, he'll have to unsee Damian Harris, I think, for that one two down roll. Yeah. What do you think? You like the under as well? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> All right. The only thing I can bring up is uh, uh, hashing out the running backs here. Yeah, I mean, Davis Mills is literally the worst quarterback in the entire NFL. Like, this guy is just, he's not going to be around here much longer. Um, I don't even know what they're going to do. They probably, Tyrod, hopefully, he comes back soon because Brandon Cooks really needs something competent coming at him. And that Patriots defense is just going to just swallow him up. And then offensively, they just want to ground and pound, dink and dunk, just score their points real quick, get in, get out. It, this could be like a 17 to three game. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> my, my, uh, a quick shout out to one of my buddies uh, who I went to high school with. He texted me a screenshot of a, a free bet he made um, last weekend. And it was like uh, alternate game spread of Buffalo minus 26 and a half. <laughs> and then it was like, <laughs> it was like alternate game total under like 33 and a half or some shit like that. So like, the last Buffalo possession of that uh, game. Lost it for Yeah, lost it for him. They ended up scoring a touchdown. He, like a field goal would have been, would have sealed it. And it was like, he was just looking for the longest odds at his free, like $25 free bet. I was Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was like, sweat city, let's go. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, all you really want is to sweat. Yeah, so that was, that was, gave me a chuckle. Uh, but yeah, dude, let's, uh, what's your next pick? So I'm stuck between two for my last pick and one, I just want to just throw out there and the other one we can talk about a little more, yeah, but yeah. Uh, if you have an inclination, do we know if Teddy's playing or not? We don't know yet. still, right. It from everything that I've gathered, it's likely uh, that he misses. So um, if he misses, you smash Pittsburgh minus one. That's just that. Drew locks in for a world of pain, but I don't, that one, you know, we do too much uncertainty, but uh, I'm certain as of now that the giants are going to cover seven against the Cowboys. I think it was just being disrespected by Vegas at this point. The giants are not bad. Like Daniel Jones is, looks like a competent quarterback. He's turned the ball over one time and it was on a hat on a, a Hail Mary heave. So I don't know. I, I think I think you also have to watch a little bit on the uh, wide receivers with Shepard and Sleem to see if they play. But even so, John Ross looks spry, quick as hell again. Uh, Tony, we've all been bashing him, but he, he didn't look terrible. And, you know, that Saquon's starting to look like Saquon a little bit more. And that defense, I, uh, I can definitely see this as a cover and the way the Cowboys are playing right now, it's not, they're not playing to win right now. They're just running the ball so much. They're not letting Dak air it out and they're not just trying to win. They're just, I don't, I don't really like how the Cowboys are playing right now. So I yeah. and division game too. I, I, I really think all the cards are in the Cowboys giants favor. I don't think they might, they might not win the game, but I think it'll definitely stay within seven. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I highlighted, um, 
over the past two weeks from these Dallas Cowboy games. Um, since Michael Gallup got hurt, the Cowboys are, hold on, I'm going to pull it up right now. In weeks two, three, and four, the Dallas Cowboys situation neutral rush rate is the tops in the league at 57%. So they're rushing the football at the highest rate in the league without Michael Gallup. Um, and that makes sense because he's been operating primarily as their field stretcher um, with those deep looks. And what are they left with? They're left with like an intermediate role through Amari Cooper and CD lamb and then tight ends through the pass game. Um, so the, it makes sense. That they're trying to rush the football at increased rates, but like, yeah, when they are bringing increased rush rates against a giant's defensive line who is not terrible this year no right right? it's insane like the giants really took a big step forward we we all bash on gettleman and and his name that won't be spoken but (laughs) he must not be named yeah (laughs) all the harry potter fans yeah they're 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 competent yeah and the what i think is the biggest piece for the giants that will help them even have a chance to win this game is Darius Slayton. So if he returns, he's obviously their field stretcher. We should expect Trevon Diggs to primarily see primarily see Galladay. Yep. And, and so they, they don't even have a connection. So that's kind of good. Take him away. Yeah. So if if you're opening up the if you're opening up the middle of the field because Slayton plays, and I'm not saying that like I like Slayton. It's just what he opens up for this offense directly meshes with where the Dallas defense struggles. So they struggle over the short to intermediate middle of the field. So a lot of people will likely think that Shepard is the most important thing for the giants to get healthy this week. And in my opinion, it's Slayton because he's going to open up those areas of their defense even more. So um, that's going to leave room for Evan Ingram. That's going to leave room for Saquon Barkley, who's seeing schemed touches through the pass um, over that intermediate, short to intermediate areas of the middle of the field. So look for Slayton. uh, And I do like the Giants seven. I wish they added that hook. I wish it was seven and a half, um, which would give me like all the confidence in the world. Uh, but I do like the Giants to cover as well uh, with how that game sets up. I just had like a fun Madden thought. Imagine five wide. You got Slayton, you got Ross, and you got Shepard, Ingram, and Galladay out there. Like the middle of the field would be wide open because <laughs> you got to <laughs> Ross and Slayton are going to take the top off, and that whole middle of the field would be open. Obviously. Yeah. Coach, like it's so simple, but obviously, you know, coaches won't do something. Maybe they will, but yeah, dude, you never know with good old hand clapper revenge narrative gone down here. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. He's going back to his old stomping grounds. Dude. Yeah, Let's go. he's he's take, gonna want to win this game. He, yeah, take it to Jarrah. It's weird. I feel like I've turned into like a slight Giants fan because I've always liked Daniel Jones. He just has that face that you want to cheer for, you know? <laughs> yeah, friendly <laughs> looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> all right man i dig it anything else to add there no who's your uh third choice all right we're gonna jump to uh game another afternoon game in the san francisco 49ers and the arizona cardinals and the game total is currently set at 50 i like the over here uh at a pretty lofty game total of 50 
when you look at like how this game is likeliest to play out, it's likeliest that, you know, with the injuries to San Francisco's secondary, um, it's likeliest that we're going to see the Cardinals kind of dictate the game flow here. But the Cardinals play at pace. They have moderate uh, situation neutral run pass rates. They're currently uh, like 46% rush, so a balanced offense. Um, but you look at the areas of the field that they can hurt you. They can hurt you in the short to intermediate role with Nuke, who should have another week of health. They can hurt you in the intermediate to deep areas of the field with um, Rondale Moore and AJ Green, and then they can hit you deep with Christian Kirk. And that is that like layered offense is so difficult, uh, it's, especially it's for so a, funny to watch. Yeah, especially for a defense that's hurting in the secondary <laughs> to cover. So I like this game to be dominated, not dominated, but controlled the game tempo and the game flow at home. Obviously the Niners are going to be up for this game because they are chasing the Cardinals in the NFC West. And we have the added, I guess, outs uh, we'll say of this might be another Lance week. So um, still waiting on Jimmy G's health. I think he he was like a calf stinger or something like bro like man up but <laughs> yeah it's so weird like if I was about to lose my job to a rookie you wouldn't I, you'd have to be put me in a wheelchair to get me off the field yeah dude Jimmy Garoppolo is like one of the least or I guess the most injury prone players in the league like it's every season man him and Tua like yeah always and it's like hurt. you got a calf stinger like what is that even like you got you got a bump on your calf dude like. <laughs> what i don't know man but um but anyway with with the amount of firepower and the yak possibilities that the niners have you know george kittle obviously debo samuel and brandon ayuk all three players that can take a, a simple screen to the house um i like this game to to play aggressive and play to the over yeah i mean this sounds pretty pretty straightforward this is going to be an over game as well it's gonna be a really good game for dfs you hit you hit the Arizona breakdown perfectly too. That's exactly how to target it. And then when you're looking at a DFS standpoint, look where the teams are doing good and bad in those areas, and that's how you target who to stack with Kyler because that's kind of exactly how I've been doing it. Yeah, we'll have to. I'll have to ask Todd because he nailed the AJ Green game. He, uh, I posted something on Twitter and he responded before last week. He's like, it's an AJ Green game, dude. And I was like, ah, and then it was like, cool, man. <laughs> He's getting six targets a game. I, I had a bunch of them this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How'd you do this week, man? I didn't talk to you before the weekend. Uh, early slate, I lost just a little bit. And then the afternoon slate, I basically made all back. I was 100% Deontay in the afternoon slate. So we, we did okay. Oh, okay. Very I nice. couldn't play showdown this week. I was driving from Chicago or to Chicago from Tampa. Yeah, and you're headed back here shortly. Yes, sir. This weekend, so it might be a light DFS weekend again. So Hopefully you beat not. your new bride on the uh, on the all important winner nope, she moves or loser moves. <laughs> no, she's uh she's coming to Tampa for now, but we met in Tampa, so it's kind of like home anyway. Oh, and okay. I'm from Chicago. So it's kind of like <laughs> she moved what to my are you guys hometown. Doing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. She went to grad school in Tana, in Chicago. Oh, okay, very cool. All right, brother, that's all I got this week, man. You got anything else to add? No, I cannot 
wait to uh, start talking some best ball NBA with you guys. Oh, and NBA yeah. period. So be on the lookout for some cool content coming out for uh, NBA soon. Spoiler alert, Pavel and I are back with the best ball series. Jump into NBA now. So look for those coming out here shortly. We're likely going to be doing another four-part podcast series, uh, similar to what we did in NFL. And um, we're going to expand a little bit off of what we did last NBA season with the uh, mid-season NBA contest. So look for that coming out shortly. That's going to be a blast, dude. Can't wait to jam it up with you about NBA. Uh, And first episode, we'll be taking a look around the industry, just like we did for NFL. So look for that coming out shortly. My dude, it's been a great pleasure having you back, and I'll see you next week, man. Absolutely. All right. See you.